0: Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to your tech questions. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Micah Sargent.
1: Hello, Stephen. Hello. We have, uh, we've we finally gotten there. We've been through the dry times, and it's time for us to get excited about Apple products again.
0: Yeah, so we're recording this just a couple hours after the iPhone keynote um, with the iPhone XS and XS Max and 10R and the watches, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I will give the normal fine print that we are recording this very quickly after the keynote. Sometimes there are details we don't know yet, or mm-hmm. things that we that we may uh, get a little a little wrong because this is also very new, and in some cases Apple hasn't even gotten everything online yet. So uh, if we have a little error here or there, please please forgive us. Uh, but we wanted to record quickly and get get something out for uh, for you guys. So we're gonna jump. We're gonna jump right in, and uh, I think we gotta talk about iPhones, right? Like, that's the that's the thing. That's the <laughs> yeah. the most exciting thing. So uh, we uh, we got three new phones this year, not unlike last year, uh, but sort of the, the mix of them is different. So we have the iPhone XS, uh, which is the iPhone 10 form factor, but sort of an s year upgrade, so better processor, a better camera. We have the iPhone XS Max. I don't love these names, Micah. I really no. don't like them.
1: <laughs> no, every time I look at them, I see extra small, extra small max. Yeah, what does that mean? It's
0: crazy. Uh, they didn't They didn't ask us, so we just have to live with it. So this phone is, uh, and there's a link in the show notes to our friend Kate. She does this really cool like hand-drawn size comparisons every year. The iPhone XS Max is, form factor-wise, if you had them face down on the table, ba- basically the same size as the old Plus phone, right? Like, give mm-hmm. or take a, a hair. Uh, But because it has this fancy new display with, you know, no home button, it's basically all screen. And like, spoiler (laughs) alert, this is the one I'm ordering on Friday. Oh, Uh, of course. Got to go big again. Uh, So this is a, you know, Phil Schiller made the joke of like, what do you call a phone that's bigger than Plus? You call it Max. Like, well... Okay, Phil, but that—that's the name. Yeah,
1: if that's how it works, I mean, I don't, I, I, I hadn't, I don't have that size chart available to me, but I will trust that he. I think it's metric.
0: Uh, I think that's how metric works. <laughs>
1: that must be the metric. <laughs> the opposite
0: yes. of metric. Metric is the most logical system on the planet for measuring things.
1: Thank you uh, for saying that. Otherwise, we would have gotten emails.
0: Yeah, someone, someone fired off a tweet before I got to correct it, uh, <laughs> and then we have the iPhone 10R, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. Which I think, in a way, is the most interesting phone this year. I'm um,
1: mad, Steven. I'm mad.
0: Oh, whoa, oh, oh wow. Hold on to that for a second. I will. And and let that anger stew inside you. That's what you want to do <laughs> with anger. Repress it down as far it. as you can, as long as you can. So, I'll so do the 10S the and the 10 S Max are, you know, from a technology standpoint, the same phone. They have the new A twelve Bionic chipset, which offers now real time core ML, neural net science magic uh, now (laughs) coupled with the ISP which is the image processor so like when you take a picture with one of these new phones it's using all that horsepower to do things like uh, smarter HDR better low light performance getting rid of noise uh, getting rid of things like red eye and people blinking like all sorts of awesome stuff now because you have all this power behind that uh, shutter button you get 30 minutes of additional battery life over the 10 uh, with the 10s if you go to the big boy you get an extra 90 minutes of battery life which was a big pitch in the in the plus days right remember that was something all of us who, who were in the plus cub that's one thing we always praised was the better battery life mm-hmm. so that's coming back to the big phone uh, both phones have the dual camera system so in the uh, the iphone 7 and 8 the regular phone had one camera and the plus had two and it, so that's different this year Both the the small small and air quotes, Uh, small and big one both have dual cameras, still 12 megapixel, still both optically uh, stabilized, which is really important for low light performance, or if you're doing something uh, with motion, or if you if you have like a trimmer in your hands, all those things can be mitigated by this technology. And again, improved smarter HDR, better ISP, neural network science magic working its (sighs) working its thing.
1: A trillion processes per photo. That's ridiculous. I can't
0: even understand it. What does that even mean? It's like, what that is that number? It, that doesn't even mean anything, right? Like, it's like if someone, you know, backed a, a tractor trailer up to your house full of cash. It's like, I don't even know how much money this is. <laughs> it's some amount of money. That's how I feel about that number, right? Like, yes. cool. The moral of the story is, like every new iPhone, this camera should be a lot better. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting is you can now change the depth of field on a portrait mode photos wow 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 wowie so how portrait mode works today with my chromey old iphone 10 or with like a real (laughs) camera uh which i've got several here in my studio the the bokeh so bokeh is a term that if you take a picture of portrait photo the background's all blurry right so say that when you see a lot of someone may have like lights in the background they don't look like individual points of light they're like blown out and that's a really pretty look and people like in the camera world debate, like this lens versus that lens, it uses circular bokeh, it makes bokeh, you know, all all these details. Mm -hmm. They're bringing some of that to portrait mode. So if I took a picture of you in portrait mode uh, and you're standing, um, you know, say in front of like a cityscape, I could then later like go back, same thing with like live photos, how they store all this data. I can go in and say, oh, you know, I want that city – uh, a little less blown out. I want to see a little more detail in the background, or I want to blow it out all the way and just make it like a soft, blurry, gooey goodness behind Mike, and Mike is <laughs> still be really sharp in focus. And this is something no one's really done. Samsung has something that's kind of half this way, where you can basically turn it on and off. But to go back later and adjust it separately is uh, seems to be best. I can tell. I'm sure someone's maybe someone's done it, but as far as I can tell, the first manufacturer to do it. Apple says they're the first to do it.
1: Yeah, at least in like a in a smartphone. Um, And it's, it's very specific to the way that it's being done, because it's different from apps that can go in and change the blur in the background versus what is happening here, which is like changing the focal was focal length, right? Um, So it's a little bit different uh, from just like, oh, yes, I've Isolated you from the background, and I'm just blurring out the background. It's a very particular type of effect.
0: It should look. This should look much more natural than that. Um, and they're not doing anything where you can like change the focal point. Uh, there's some apps that do that. Uh, Lytro famously had a hardware camera that did that, but uh, this is pretty cool. And I, I don't know about you. I don't use portrait mode very often. No. Um. I I just this sounds snobby i don't mean for it to be but like i have a real camera i have a pretty expensive real camera and <laughs> and i i struggle to accept portrait mode because to me it just looks really fake but this may help me with that because one thing i think that portrait mode up to this point is down that I don't like is in some cases, the background is too blurred out. Like if you took that with real glass, it wouldn't be as blurry and soft as it is. So maybe this would let me tone that down. So I'm I'm looking forward to playing with this. I think it's super cool. It's something again, Apple does this hardware software combination that's so impressive. Another new feature of these two phones is IP68 water resistance, which basically means like two meters of water for half an hour, which is like pretty good uh i really like this part of the keynote they're like yeah like we tested it with soda and orange juice and wine and beer and they have this picture of like i don't know what's happening at this table there's beer flying through the air and like someone has an iphone right in the middle of it and it is, i guess they're purporting that it would be perfectly safe to have an iphone inside a beer tornado so if you find yourself in that situation your iphone 10s should be fine
1: yeah <laughs> which is good <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be fine. Uh f- what's interesting is the the IP code um it the first number and the second number mean different things. Uh so your IP rating Uh, With a 6, that's like the best that you can get. It's protection from contact with harmful dust, which of course is going to be uh, tiny little bits of dust that could get into the phone and hurt it. And then secondly, that 8 means it's protected from immersion in water with a depth of more than one meter, as we talked about. Uh, Whereas before, it was protection from immersion in water with a depth of up to one meter for up to 30 minutes. So that 8 is supposed to... Uh, actually sort of take away that period of time in general, and that would be the difference between IP67 and IP68.
0: Okay, that's cool. I'd always wondered kind of how how that worked. Other than – so those things, it's the same on both phones. The the differences between this and the Max are the Max has a bigger 6.5-inch screen. It brings the return of the plus-style horizontal layout. So, like, in apps like Messages or Mail – you can turn your iPhone in landscape and you get sort of like a mini iPad version where you have like your inbox on the side and your messages on the right. I don't I never used that when I had a plus phone. I in fact my iPhone almost always is locked into portrait mode. I don't use landscape ever on the phone unless I'm watching YouTube which can uh rotate video on its own, you know, ignoring the lock. So I, right. that doesn't do anything for me, but it's back. So if you missed that from the plus days then um congratulations I guess you
1: can, I did not yeah you can have it again Ugh, I did not that bugged me um, it was just like I just want to keep this on at all times please don't yeah please don't change everything around it's just I don't know I, it was never clean so uh, yeah that's fine <laughs> uh,
0: and so we got some pricing these phones have 64 256 or 512 gigabyte options uh, the 10s starts at 999 the the and goes up to thirteen forty nine, and then the uh, the max phones are basically a hundred dollars more a piece. Not bad. <laughs> no, I mean, it's in line with what they've where they've been. You know, yes, yeah, yes,
1: they've set the expectations. You can spend
0: fifteen hundred dollars on a new iPhone, but I don't think anyone needs a five hundred twelve gigabyte. I don't. And I was looking at my phone today. I have the two hundred fifty six on my iPhone ten, and I'm using two hundred gigs of it, and that's like with all my photos downloaded. Like I could live on way less. Oh, Wow. So it's. Uh, that's where i'm gonna stay is the is the two fifty six this time around
1: same i uh I don't keep everything on my local thing and i've got <laughs> i use a two fifty six and I've got a hundred and ninety two gigs available, <laughs> so I definitely don't need to have a bigger storage size, but I'm glad it's there for people who might
0: yeah people who sync a ton of apple music or you know there's obviously a need for it, and uh, Samsung's done it with the Note, so I think Apple's got to do it too to have that, that 512 um, spot. So these are what I consider the mainstream phones mm-hmm. this year. I think these are sort of the default upgrade options for most people. If you're coming from a 6S or maybe even a 7, I think these are the ones that most people will look at. Because we'll get into the the ten R in a second, but like these are sort of the flagships, um, you know. If you've got a six or before upgrading to anything would be better. Like my brother's on a six, and he texts me, he's like, "What should I buy?" And he, I think he's going to end up with the eight because the eight and the seven mm-hmm. have stuck around. But we'll get into more some of the lineup changes in a second. So, the ten R new phone, Micah. It's been a long time to have like a new. Weird <laughs> phone. This is kind of like the new 5C in a way, although not in ways that maybe some of us thought. It's a 6.1-inch LCD display. So size-wise, it's in between the 10S and the 10S Max, but has an LCD and not an OLED. It has uh, the same basic industrial design, so curved corners, face ID, no home button, but it comes yes. in colors, which has me very excited. Uh, <gasps> black, white... Blue, coral, yellow, and product red from day
1: one. I, this is why I'm mad. I'm mad because I just, (laughs) why can't, why can't I have colors on the more powerful phone? Like, I get it. I, I get it, but I don't get it. I just, It just makes me so sad, because that blue, I don't know who gave it permission to look that hot, but it certainly wasn't me, and I'm annoyed about it. That is such a good-looking phone, such a good-looking blue, Mm -hmm. and I'm jealous. And at the end of the day, uh, I was talking to a friend of the internet, Joe Rosenstiel, about it, and we sort of were both griping about it, and then said, well, we always keep cases on our phones anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. And that's true, but still, I just... I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't rock a case if I had one of these cool colors. No, I probably still would. But anyway, I, I'm I'm mad. I'm mad about it. <laughs> the
0: thing is, though, you wouldn't be giving up all that much to go to this. So this is what's so interesting about this. So the, the iPhone 5C back in the day was basically an iPhone 5, just in colorful plastic mm-hmm. shell, right? Uh, they, they discontinued the 5 when the 5S came out. This is not that. This is not... What I thought it would be, I thought this would be an iPhone 10, just sort of like remixed to be cheaper yeah. to manufacture, but really it's not. Really inside, this is a a 10s. so the differences are you have that LCD instead of OLED, which is like, Apple makes mm-hmm. really good LCDs, most people probably can't tell the difference between an LCD and OLED anyway, so it's probably fine. Uh, it comes in all those awesome colors, and I agree with you, the blue oh, looks so awesome. Good. It supports wireless charging. Uh, it has the uh, IP67 rating from last year, so that's a, step, a half step down. But the big difference is the camera. So it has a single 12 megapixel shooter out the back. That is the same sensor and everything that's on the 10s. it's the wide angle from the other phones, but no zoom lens. But again, this is a phone that like is higher than it seems. It still does all the depth stuff. They're just doing it in software, like Google does with the with the Pixel uh, Two and the Pixel Two uh, XL. So
1: that's fascinating to me.
0: Uh, the stuff, you know, the stuff looks good. Um, you know, yeah, it's built with aluminum and not steel, but a lot of people prefer that. You know, this seems like a really great phone, and the beauty of it is the price. It starts with sixty four gigabytes of storage for seven forty nine, mm-hmm. which is like a hundred and fifty dollars less than the 10S. for a phone. That unless you really care about the second camera or just really care about stainless steel, is practically the same. Surgical steel has oh, the same. Surgical steel. I'm sorry. Uh, there is one weird exception to that is that this phone does not have 3D touch, which Apple introduced with the iPhone 6s. Every iPhone since has had it. What they've replaced it with is a combination of a long press and haptic feedback. I honestly don't care about this. Like, yeah. as long as the software does all the
1: same stuff, like if it works the same, that's fine. And frankly, I kind of like that more. I know so many people who I, I hear them gripe a lot about uh, 3d touch and accidentally triggering it. And this seems more like the old school long press. Uh, and then you still get that little, bzzz, so it would work the same and for potentially, or rather it might even work better for people who have trouble finding the sweet spot between uh, 3D touch and long press.
0: Yeah. And I, I wonder if this is a a deal with the LCD in it or if this is going to be going away elsewhere. I, I don't know. But yeah, if it does the same stuff, like I don't I don't really care about the implementation. Um, this phone doesn't ship until October. The 10s you can order on Friday and it shows up next Friday, the 21st. This is not out for a little while. October 19th is when pre-orders open and they start shipping October 26th. So it's a little bit of a wait, but if you want to upgrade and you don't want to spend $1000 like this is a pretty good phone. Uh, my guess is we're going to see more of these 10R's than we ever saw of the iPhone 5C because it is mm-hmm. closer to the phone above it than the uh, than the iPhone 5C was in its day. So I'm very curious to see uh, what we see in the wild and what shows up in and the ASP, so the average selling price of the iPhone. If it falls, it'll be because of this phone doing, uh, doing well. So, uh, it's some things to to look out for.
1: I mean, this is a phone now that I feel comfortable recommending to people, you know what I mean? And the five C it was like, Hey, it looks cool and everything, but really, I don't want to say that anyone should have this one, uh, except for maybe someone who just absolutely couldn't tell the difference between a more premium phone and that. But yeah. this one, it looks great. Again, I'm mad.
0: It has, <laughs> it
1: has so many great features in it and you are brought into the world of modern Apple, um, operating system and in, in terms of, uh, user interaction, right? Gestures, that, and yeah, gestures and face. ID gestures, Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting uh, that they've done this. It's a, it's a new strategy for them. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm the same way, though. I, I, you know, as if, if someone... Most people who aren't, like, nerdy people, I usually say get whatever, you know, N-1 is. So right now that's the iPhone 8, which is, like, pretty cheap now for what it is and a really good phone. But, you know, the ten R complicates that a little bit. Uh, if you want something that's 6.1 inches, if you still want something smaller... Then you're you're kind of stuck with an eight because there's not you know there's not the, the iPhone XS is now the smallest sort of modern phone from Apple which is pretty pretty big um, and it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out so sort of in our random stuff note uh, notes we have the iPhone 6s is gone mm-hmm. uh, the iPhone 10 is gone which I talked about on connected last week that I figured the iPhone 10 as we know it would be discontinued and the iPhone yeah. eight would sort of be that mid rung phone that's what happened. But there's also no iPhone SE. It's gone. Uh, internally, it was a 6S, so it makes sense that they would go together. Uh, and you can get an iPhone 7 for like 150 more than you can get an iPhone SE. So there's not that real cheap option anymore. And that phone is, what, 4.7 inches. And a lot of people liked the smaller form factor, including my spouse, who like, I texted earlier that the iPhone SE was gone. And she sent me back like a GIF of Dwight Schrute screaming. <laughs> so that's how that was taken in my household.
1: <laughs> oh wow, that's wonderful. On many for many reasons. Yeah. Um, so uh, why do we why do we think? Because I, I would say that Apple is really trying to push folks toward the new form factor, the new user interaction. But at the same time, that's not the case because there are still some phones available that have the home button and use that technology instead. So it's just not wanting to support these older devices anymore, sort of slowly getting rid of them for that reason.
0: I think so. Because, you know, when the SE came out, I think it really was just about size because the new phones at the time operated the same way, right? with home buttons and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. But this is such a big break in the way that the phone actually works. Like Apple's got to move people ahead. Now that's not to say they couldn't make a four and a half inch iPhone seven. And there was actually a, kind of a rumor that there was going to be a new like low end phone that didn't materialize. Maybe it'll come later. But right now, if you want the cheapest thing, you're you're you know with some, su- stuck with something bigger, but also like way older because the form factor is totally different. So. Uh, it's it's definitely kind of a, a strange like transition right now. You know, someone commented on Twitter that now Apple sells no phones with a headphone jack. Um, and by the hmm. way, none of these new phones come with the Lightning to headphone jack adapter in the box. So if you were living that sweet dongle life, you are gonna have to spend <laughs> nine bucks or whatever to get an, get an extra. I bought yeah. like I f- so I bought like three of those when the iPhone Seven came out because like oh I never want to be stuck without it. I think all three of them are still in the boxes, like in my desk drawer. So I have a stash. If anyone's looking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I do find myself using them from time to time, but I just keep them connected to whatever it is that I use them yeah. with.
0: So I've got one in my in my travel bag uh if I want to use my big over the ear headphones on a plane or something, but that's really the only time I use it. Um we just talk about AppleCare a little bit. So, uh Yeah, I, this I, is interesting. Yeah, so we've had AppleCare Plus for a while now, which you get a couple of uh incidents of of accidental damage. You have to pay a service fee. But it's cheaper than if you smashed your phone with no Apple Care. This is particularly important to me because I've broken the back of my iPhone ten just a little at the top. Ouch! Uh, so, so it's still under Apple Care Plus, and I'm going to deal with that after my new phone shows up. And then I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with this phone. Uh, I keep threatening <laughs> my wife that I'm going to give it to her, but she doesn't want it. So we'll see. But now they've added uh, an additional layer, sort of on top of that, uh, that covers theft and loss so if you have uh, an iphone and you purchase this level of application which is a little bit more expensive then if your phone is stolen out of your car or you lose it on a hiking trip or it goes over a waterfall or an eagle takes it whatever uh, lots of nature examples came to my mind for some reason if a hawk screams <laughs> out of the sky and steals your phone out of your hands oh wow now you can um go to the genius bar and say hey my my phone was stolen by a hawk, but <laughs> I had this theft and loss coverage. I would like a new phone, please. And the price mm-hmm. is $199 to $269, you know, depending on what exact phone you had. And what's really interesting, especially in the context of this show, is you have to have Find My iPhone enabled, which everyone should have, like, consumer advice, turn on Find My iPhone, even yes. if you don't. So I have a family member who doesn't use iCloud for anything. And I, like all that's on their phone is find my iPhone. It's like, you have to leave that on because if your phone is stolen, you can track it down. If you lose it in the house, you can make it beat from your spouse's phone, which is probably like 98% of the usage of find my iPhone is like what sofa cushion is my phone under, at least for me.
1: One time I used it. Um, somebody's alarm had failed or wasn't getting them up or something. I don't remember what it was, but for some reason they weren't uh, like getting to work when they were supposed to. And I, was able to hit them with the find my iPhone thing and it woke them up. And that was awesome. Like there are so many different, there are so many other reasons for it to be available like to to have it turned on. But I absolutely agree because I've been able to recover devices using that method in the past. Mm -hmm.
0: Totally fair. The Apple requires that to be on. We should all have it on anyway. So, so yeah, that's the new phones. If you want a 10 S or 10 S max, you're going to be ordering this Friday. If you want the 10 R, you're going to be ordering next month. Um, so I kind of tip my hand a little bit. I'm gonna do the 10s Max, the 256 gig. I'm I'm torn on color. The gold is not for me, although it's really pretty. It's like a stainless steel gold. It looks really mm-hmm. nice. But uh, I have a, a silver iPhone 10, and historically I flip flop colors, so my brain thinks I have a new phone. But <laughs> I don't really care for the space gray in this body style. So
1: yeah, I may do I
0: the I may do the white and silver again. But that's my plan. What What about you? Are you joining me in the Max Club?
1: I was going to say, if that's the one you're planning on getting, then that's literally the phone that I'm going <laughs> like to get. iPhone twins. I know that I want the silver. <laughs> yes. I, as I've mentioned, I think here and on pretty much every podcast that I'm on, I have monster hands. So the uh, true. Max is going to be, it might as well just be like iPhone 10s M. And the M stands for mica because it's perfect mm. for my hands. I think it's what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> At least in my heart.
0: Yeah. So uh, so if you have any questions, I think we're going to probably be on this you know, as these phones come out. So if you have any questions about these phones, hit us up on Twitter with the query, uh, the ask Query hashtag, and uh, I think we will be revisiting this stuff. There's a lot more to talk about, Micah, but first I want to tell you about our sponsor this week. This episode of Query is brought to you by Pingdom. It's the company that, that makes website performance monitoring really easy. Truth is, everyone loves a fast website. And Pingdom are helping keep your favorite sites online, like Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, I don't know, is Twitter anyone's favorite website? Twitter, <laughs> BuzzFeed, Slack, and Relay.fm. I know if we have a problem because Pingdom alerts me. Because Pingdom is who I trust to take care of our website monitoring. The truth is, websites are complicated. It's not just HTML anymore. You have transactions like user registrations, logins, checkouts, you're saving pe- saving things to carts, buying stuff, all these moving pieces and Pingdom cares that your users have the most smooth experience possible navigating through all these things. And when disaster does strike, you'll be the first to know because they alert you when you have any issues. You may be thinking, this has got to be complicated to set up, or i got to do something on my server. Like, No, no, no. All Pingdom needs is the URL, and they just take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use code QUERY at checkout to get a massive 30% off your first invoice. My thanks to Pingdom for the support of this show and letting me know if Relay.fm has some problems. Sometimes we do, but then I know about it.
1: Okay, so tell me
0: about the Apple Watch Series 4.
1: Wow. I'm so excited to tell you about this uh, Apple Watch Series 4 because I'm convinced that Apple was marketing it straight for me. Um, the Apple Watch Series 4 uh, is still going to come in those GPS and GPS plus cellular variants mm-hmm. that you've been used to. Uh, it is also going to come in the types of finishes that you're used to. That's aluminum and stainless steel. But we've got silver gold and space gray for aluminum. And now we've got stainless steel gold and space black in in the steel models. So gold is a new option there. It looks pretty good. It does. Uh, it was f- when Jeff was talking about it on stage, he kinda had a moment of just almost being engulfed by how pretty it is. And then he kind of finished up his sentence as he was talking. Um, interestingly, there's still the Nike plus and Hermes models. Um, they are, Of course, the Nike Plus comes with like an extra watch face that's specific to runners and you get the Nike Plus band, but you can buy the Nike Plus band separately. Mm -hmm. And then with Hermes, you get a special Hermes face. Uh, The Hermes actually only comes in GPS plus cellular variants though. So you can't skip out on cellular there. And I imagine that's like a, oh, I can't think of the, the actual term for it, but essentially they can't sell all of the models of everything because it would cause them to have right. a bunch left over,
0: stream so. streamlining their, uh, stuff. And that's what Tim Cook did, right? That's what Jeff Williams does.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, they're pulling a Tim Cook and streamlining their stuff as it is. <laughs> um, so this is, this is interesting because we've got two, uh, sizes, 40 millimeters and 44 millimeters that are Different than what we've been used to in years past. Um, so we had 38 and 42 before. And so these screens are bigger. They've got these curved, nice curved edges. And iOS, or rather iOS, WatchOS has been sort of redesigned to take advantage of these new watch faces, um, or, or rather, these new displays. And that's with 30% more space available to you. So pretty exciting. I think the, the you know, the watch face itself looks beautiful. Um, and we can look at the different like height, width, and and depth sizes, but it doesn't necessarily, I think, encapsulate how they are different. I can remember when I first got the Series Zero Apple Watch, because like I was up to get it that night, and when it arrived, um, I pulled it out of the package and was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting it to be this small mm-hmm. because we see these huge images and, and everybody, you know, talking about it in these big ways. And even the reviews sort of made it look big. And then it came and it was like this beautiful little, uh, pebble. And now we're going to be having a series four that's thinner than what we've been used to before so it goes from 11.4 millimeters in depth for both sizes of the series three to 10.7 millimeters in depth for the series four and uh neil Seibert on twitter uh, shared an image of a series three stacked on top of a series four and you can you can tell you can tell the difference in thinness between these two watches and i love that like if there was I always said that if there was one thing that was going to get me to get a new watch, because I just upgraded to the series three at the end of last year, uh, it would have been that it's thinner and now it's thinner. And then also it has all of these cool features I'm going to talk about in a moment that are perfect, uh, a perfect and perfectly interesting to me. So yeah, I mean that, that pretty much encapsulates side sort of the, uh, the display size and the differences in the casing and things like that, uh, Interestingly, in the Series 4 watches, because Apple has been working on the, is it eSIM? Is that the term? eSIM? They've got new types of SIM cards that aren't going to make a huge difference between the sizes in the, in the case. So with the series three, there was a change in weight between the two watches um, between one that just has GPS and one that had GPS and cellular. But now those are going to be the same, whether you get the one with GPS or GPS plus cellular. Now those were small gram differences. So it wasn't yeah. a whole lot. <laughs> right. If you noticed it, I need to meet you because you've got very sensitive, like <laughs> uh, positioning. Like the world's worst superpower.
0: Right. Like, I can detect my, my new weight differences. Like, oh, well, good. I'm glad someone's <laughs> that got that hilarious. covered.
1: <laughs> yes. I, if I give you this apple and this apple, which one weighs more? Yeah. That's great. I'm, I'm um, excited
0: about the thinness. Um, oh, yes. Especially, mm-hmm. like, so I ha- I've got the Series 3 stainless steel. Um, I love the way it looks. I don't care for the aluminum, the way it looks. I also like the harder screen. Uh, but if you, you know, if you're ha- wearing like a, a dress shirt and you've got, uh, you know it buttoned up or you're wearing a a sports coat or something like it's a little bulky and my non-apple watch which i'm wearing right now because actually i don't wear my apple watch every day anymore is way thinner and so i really noticed the thickness compared to my other watch and so i'm looking forward to this like neil's picture is really eye-opening because if you look at these these numbers it they it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it yeah. It's like I can't tell between eleven point four and ten point seven millimeters, right? It's like the cash truck. Like, I don't know what that means, but when you see them side by side, it seems to make a, a big difference. And, and a- Apple actually said that even though the cases are a little bit bigger because they're thinner, that the overall volume of the product is down. The same thing they did that with the four S to the five. The five was so much thinner, even though it was bigger. You know, sort of like stretched out it actually was like less phone. It was, it was volume wise. It was smaller. And that, that's a trick that Apple pulls every couple of years. And it's always really cool when they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, and, Another thing that I am excited about with this new phone or with this new phone. Goodness gracious. One thing that I'm excited about with this new watch is the fact that it has haptic feedback for the digital crown. I know that's silly, but I like the idea of it giving like a little bit of a click, 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 click whenever you're scrolling through things. Me too. Because the reason that Apple, uh, went about making the digital crown sort of the interface interaction tool is that there's not enough screen there for your big old fingers to be able to do things on the screen and not be in the way of the screen. So mm-hmm. the digital crown gets your finger off the display. It lets you see what you need to see and it will let you do that. And now it just has like a nice little bit of feedback. That's going to go with it as it's scrolling, uh, which you may already be used to. If you have done any scrolling where you get to sort of the end of a line and it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm at the end of the line and it kind of bounces back. It gives you a little tap. Uh, most interesting the, most interestingly, though, the digital crown contains a titanium electrode, which can we just talk about how cool that is to say? Like, yes, my watch has a titanium electrode in <laughs> it. Um, and that works in, in concert, so to speak, with the, the other components of the watch to provide electrocardiogram readings. Uh, this is a huge, 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 huge deal. There are a few third party, um, uh, third-party accessories out there that do ecg detection but they are separate devices or there is a company that has made a an apple watch band right. that includes ecg detection but for the possibility to just have your watch just touch the digital crown and then have that be what you need to do to figure out what your, you know, what your electrocardiogram reading currently is, is bonkers. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's awesome. Um, Cause I don't know if you know this, but if you go to the hospital and you get an ECG reading you should see the ridiculous amount of money that they charge your insurance or charge you if insurance is not something that you have. And so for my Apple watch to be able to do that for me and do it on a regular, um, day to day sort of possibility is good. Uh, in, December literally the day before my birthday I went to the ER because I was having arrhythmia problems and while I was there they ran a bunch of tests and they were like hey AFib that's not great and we worked through some different things and everything seemed to be back on track I wasn't having any problems and then literally I just had another scare in fact I, I tweeted about it this morning um and it was like, it's interesting that the next day Apple is supposed to be releasing an ECG watch. But I'm really excited about this because not only did they talk about ECG, but it can use the, pa- the heart rhythm pattern sort of features that it already has and it's already been working on to determine potentially if you're having AFib. So there are all of these new heart features that are available in the Series 4 that I think are going to be fantastic. And I think... Stephen, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we've seen so many stories of people, uh, literally, well, sort of being saved by their Apple yeah. watches heart features. And mm-hmm. so it's, it makes perfect sense that they've now sort of gone all in on this feature.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, James green had a story last year. There's a story just like last week about it, an- another deal. So, uh, this is not a- cool stuff that Apple's doing that's important and and really matters like out in the world you know and the flip side of that feature is the a new feature that will detect falls so if someone yes uh, falls at home you know uh it can detect that now he kind of went through like how that's really hard to detect and how their their the new accelerometer is is much more sensitive and can detect this sort of thing now and if you fall your watch will buzz you and say, hey, do you need to call emergency services? But if you don't move within, within 60 seconds of a fall, it will call emergency services for you, which is great. We've all heard, heard those horror stories of someone living alone and falling and you know, uh, being found days later. It's, it's really heartbreaking. And this is something mm-hmm. that uh, if I had a family member where that was a, a, a risk, I would buy them an Apple Watch and be like, put this on every day. And uh, because it, it is such a dangerous thing for parts, for segments of the population. And again, this is not something Apple has to do. This is not a feature that's going to move a bunch of iPhones, but they do it because it's the right thing to do and the technology allows it. And I, I just, I love this section of the keynote. I love when Apple does this stuff and it's all wrapped in their privacy, right? All this stuff is in health kit. Uh, all of this stuff is uh, safe and sound just on your devices. It's not being mm-hmm. synced to Apple anywhere.
1: That's huge. That right there is absolutely huge that you don't need to worry about, you know, that the, that this data is going to be taken and put anywhere without your permission. Um, I participated in the, uh, H- Apple heart study, Dealey Bob. Um, and that study just finished. And I love that there's this idea that we've sort of got. A group, a huge group of people, a huge study um, with lots of data points that they are now able to work with and use that information to make things better and so, if Apple is making their hardware better to do these kinds of readings, and then you can potentially elect to share that information in order to improve sort of overall health of humanity. That's to me, that's so incredible. And so I'm glad that they continue to work on this. And then again, with things like fall detection, where they have so many different uh using the accelerometer and the gyroscope and all of these different things to figure out when it actually is a fall that has occurred. That's I love that. I love that that is what the company is thinking about, because it could just be like, hey, call people on your on your wrist and you know buzz some people your heartbeat and like that's how it started mm-hmm. but now we're doing important things that are actually potentially life-changing and potentially life-saving for people and that's awesome it, it goes from just being sort of a uh a consumer i don't know a thing you don't really need but some people have and it's fun to have to being something that you can actually legitimately say like hey this is going to help you if you're ever in an emergency. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's some oddball stuff. The The band sizes are compatible across Thank the generations, God. which is really good as someone who has a whole uh, stack of sports bands.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you felt a slight breeze right after they said that, that was actually uh, my colleague, Renee Ritchie, exhaling because mm-hmm. uh, he was worried that his 30 bajillion Apple Watch yeah. bands weren't going to work for the new one.
0: And Apple's doing some stuff in watchOS to take advantage of the bigger screens, uh, a new infograph, an infograph modular watch face that does mm-hmm. m- all the complications, basically. It's like eight, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you can get eight wild. on the infograph face. And here's in, here's what's interesting to me. I saw some people complaining about um, it being bad, uh, like not... Not good design. It's a little busy. And Information yeah. overload. And what I will say is that it is a lot of information. Um, but when you look at watches out there that like, if you go to a store, I'm sure the people who really, really, really know watches don't go to a store and see watches, but this is the extent to which I have any knowledge about watches. Like if you go to the, to a department store and you see their expensive watches behind the glass case, they've all got a billion different pieces of information on them. And it seems to be that that is a, you know, a a feature that sort of stands out as something that you want in a watch and so i like that they occasionally consider or that they do consider watch design when they're making these decisions and then also i tend to be a person who likes to have that information available i was talking about how one of the things that bugs me is having to tap on the complication and wait for the app to load, to see like the one other little bit of detail that I want to see. So if I can have both just on my watch face already, that saves me time actually. And it is not information overload.
0: Well, and if you're going to have a watch, it's a computer. Like why not have the most helpful one that you could have, right? Like I've always found, especially the modular face, a little frustrating because it's, it's like you're so close to, you know if I had one more thing or two more things, it'd really be where I want it. So I'm glad they're doing this, um, and I think it makes a lot of sense to take advantage of the bigger screen, because the screen is noticeably larger. We have some links in the show notes uh, outlining the size differences. And, and the size differences really leads me to a question. So my Apple Watch is a 42 millimeter. It's the one I've always mm-hmm. worn. 38 is definitely too small for me. But the forty millimeter, so the new small size, is yeah. really close to the old forty two, especially in screen size. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if the forty-four is gonna be a little big on me. So I, I'm not I'm not really in the market for an Apple Watch, but I'm not gonna order anything before I try them on. And that was not the case in the past where I knew the 42 was right. And now it's like, no, I'm not so sure because they're they're a lot closer to each other and they're both a little bit bigger. So I'm gonna try one in the store before I do anything uh do anything drastic.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea cuz I have been wondering that myself which one is going to make the most sense for me like which one is going to be the one that I want. And I I have the 44 right now as well. Um but I actually have <laughs> for having monster hands, I have really thin wrists and so I originally thought that maybe I would have gotten the 38 millimeter, um, but I think at the time it was just like bigger, better, blah. Or I don't know why I ended up getting the 42, but I did. And it was like, it's good. But now that we've got this in between, that could be the perfect size because pretty much right now my watch takes up. The whole length of my, or rather, I guess it'd be width of my wrist. Uh, Like the 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 puck sits on top of my wrist and is pretty much from top to bottom. And so, a forty-four millimeter, that's gonna be more uh, top and bottom there. So that's not gonna be great Mm -hmm. potentially.
0: Yeah, try them on. I am curious. The edition is gone, so no more ceramic watches, Uh, and the prices are all uh, all a little bit higher than they used to be, right?
1: Yeah. So I, as I said, I got my series three at the end of last year and I paid 359 for it. It's the 42 millimeter GPS, no cellular model. Um, and now the series four, uh, at 40 millimeters starts at 399 so that's three fifty nine versus three ninety nine, so already more expensive. And then series four at forty four millimeters starts at four twenty nine. So again, that's three fifty nine versus four twenty nine, a lot more expensive.
0: hmm. So that's uh, it's a little painful, but
1: yeah, it is. But it does also mean that the series three model has gone down in price. And so if you want to get that model instead. You can definitely do so. Yeah, um, it's, it's, and it's unclear to me, Stephen. Um, I read through all of the fine print, and I wonder if I missed it during the keynote. Um, it's unclear to me whether AFib uh, heart rhythm detection is going to be available on Series Three watches, because it does say with WatchOS five. Apple Watch intermittently analyzes heart rhythms in the background and sends a notification if an irregular heart rhythm such as AFib is detected. And so watchOS 5 does work on Series 3, and the only thing that it says sort of below is that um, that'll be coming later this year. But it doesn't say anything about which watch is required. So I know ECG is Series 4, but I'm curious if uh, arrhythmia and things like that can be detected with this current hmm. series.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll chuck back in on that. How does that sound? Yeah.
1: Sounds good.
0: Uh, cool. Well, we have some follow-up to do at the end of the show. Uh, it's already running long, but some stuff I wanted to talk about. Uh, but first, I wanted to share a little bit about the month of September. September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, each year, I take some time and talk about this because it's something that's impacted my family, uh, my wife and I's oldest son, diagnosed with cancer as a baby and was treated at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital here in Memphis. St. Jude is a world-known, world-renowned children's hospital that is quite simply eradicating the world of childhood cancer. They do amazing work. Uh, So there'll be a link in the show notes. uh, If you feel compelled and you're able to, uh, I would love for you to join my fundraising this year. Uh, St. Jude costs a couple million dollars a day to run. And in nine and a half years of treatment, ongoing treatment, ongoing care, uh, they've never billed my family a dime. They, they build no family a dime. They, they cover travel, they cover all expenses that coming and going from Memphis, meals at the hospital, and then, of course, the medical treatment itself. Because they believe that uh, in your darkest days as a family, you shouldn't have to worry about financial pressure. And so it's it's really amazing. as someone who has benefited from it from almost a decade, uh, I'd love if uh, if you would get involved. So there's a link in the show notes, and uh, thanks for thanks for checking that out. Incredible. All right, so we talked about Google and iCloud accounts for kids a couple of weeks ago, and I got this really great email from Phil, and we actually had several emails back and forth. I, just, I wanted to share some of the stuff we were talking about. So we settled on iCloud Family being the way to go if you're if you have Apple stuff. Uh, I still stand by that. In fact, I stand by that more now after talking (laughs) with Phil. Uh, So we talked about Google Family. To set that up, you need an application called Google Family Link, which is a free iOS and Android app. Uh, But it's really sort of, as you may imagine, uh, Android-centric. It gives you parental controls and Android devices where you don't have that on iOS, of course, because that's kind of baked into iOS. And an interesting caveat is that Google Email, set up with a kid account, is not accessible from a third-party email app. So the original question was, which one should I set them up with if they're going to use Mail? Well, the answer is oh. iCloud, because you can't set up a Google for Kids account in Mail. You have to use a Gmail application. That's probably not a big deal <sighs> for most people, but it's a weird limitation to me. My guess is, so we talked about it a little bit, Google has a lot of cool stuff for email management. So you can say, you know, hey, uh, this kid can't delete an email. They can't forward their email to anybody else. They can only receive and send messages with these people. You have to be in the Gmail app, to, I guess, to make all that feasible. So it makes sense, but it's a it's an interesting piece of follow up. Um,
1: yeah, so- that's. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I at the end of the day, it makes sense. Um, but if you're trying to sort of uh, teach the children well, as they say, then it would be nice if you could help it help them be able to get set up with whatever app they're wanting to use.
0: Uh, so, so something to think about. And so Phil and I were like, well, what if you lie about a person's age? Well, Here's what happens. So if I have a, so my oldest son I just talked about is uh, getting ready to be 10. If I tell Google he's 13 and, uh, or 14, or, you know, past the age cutoff, if I ever want to correct his birth year or down the road, he wants to get his own birth year for his Google account. Uh, you have to submit a photo of your government-issued ID. It's so like a passport or a driver's license and a payment. It's only 30 cents, but it's basically just like proving you're a person, I think. But I don't love scan- the idea of scanning your driver's license and sending it to no. Google. Um, and if you don't do that, both – so if you just pay and don't submit your ID or you submit your ID but forget to pay – Uh, Your account gets disabled and scheduled for deletion. So, what the heck? I would not lie about it, it's intense. You have 30 days to to fix it, but the more of the story is don't lie to a tech company about your kids' ages (laughs) just so they can have access to things uh, because it's really hard to fix. iCloud's the same way, actually. iCloud, if there are some really weird things, like if you create a test, if you create create a, a kid account, a child account, and you just did it for testing. So like Ren did this. We talked about it on the <laughs> show. And John Voorhees has done it. You're kind of stuck with that kid to that kid ages out of the program. So, like, uh, you know, so ren has got some sort of, like, ghost iCloud child. But
1: yes, my, it's, it's just my iCloud child. Yeah.
0: So I still think iCloud family is the way to go. Uh, but we totally neglect to talk about Microsoft. And that's probably fine because I don't think many people in our audience are living that Office 365 and Windows 10 life. But Microsoft does have some pretty cool stuff in the Serena I was unaware of. Uh, of course, Microsoft has the Xbox. So a lot of these features are around Xbox One. So mm. you can you can limit the types of content they can access on the Xbox. Uh, you can limit what they can access on Windows 10. You get weekly email reports uh, on what they're doing, which I think is really cool. So you can see... Uh, all these details about what, you know, if you've set limits, if your kids hit those limits or what they're doing, so you can have, uh, some informed decision-making as a parent. And then you have all sorts of the other stuff. You have family calendars, content restrictions, uh, you have approval escalation. So I could say as a child, Hey, uh, Micah, uh, as my parent, can you allow me to download this or stream this movie? Just like Apple does. <laughs> um, so if you're living that windows 10 office 365 lifestyle, there's lots of options for you there too. Um, I still think iCloud's the way to go, though, if you're dealing with family. So, yeah,
1: I agree, especially Take, if you're doing it on an iOS device where you are yeah. going to be using iCloud. Or I mean, not I- a uh, mail and things like that.
0: That's a no-brainer for me. Um, so, anyways, I want to get that out there uh, at the end of the episode, just kind of, kind of uh, put a bow on that. <laughs> So we've been talking for a while, and I know you have many more tech podcasts to listen to. So thanks for hanging out with us. If you want to find links to what we've spoken about, go to relay.fm slash query slash 39.
1: Steven, I want to do something a little unorthodox here. I know we just sort of go through the outro, um, but I wanted to put out a special request. If anybody out there has been pondering questions about their home automation, their smart home tech, their smart lights and locks and all this kind of thing. Uh, I kind of know a thing or two about all that stuff, and I would love to answer those questions. And in fact, um, I've got a few saved up that we will be answering here on the show, and I would love to hear from all of you if you've got anything that you want to know, and Stephen and I will try to tackle those questions for you.
0: If you have a question for a future episode, tweet with the hashtag AskQuery. You can find Micah on Twitter at Micah Sargent, you can find his writing over at imore.com. You can find me as ISMH on Twitter, and I write at 512pixels.net. Until our next episode, Micah, say goodbye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Adios.